Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 8, Part 16 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 193 is entitled The Story of Creation, Part 3. In the following segments of Book 7, we first have a conversation between Adam and Raphael about the purpose of creation. Milton, the Christian and Bible scholar, uses the Bible as his primary source for the fundamental elements of the creation story. For those familiar with Genesis, the story will be very familiar. Milton the poet, however, in addition to telling the creation story, attempts to make Adam and Eve more personal. He gets inside their heads and tries to show what it is like to be the first humans on earth. But primarily, Milton wants to justify the ways of God to man. This is a very ambitious theme. In addition, he wants to show Adam and Eve as real people. In the following, Adam speaks to Raphael. When I behold this goodly frame, this world of heaven and earth consisting and compute their magnitude, this earth a spot, a grain, an atom, with the firmament compared and all her numbered stars that seem to roll spaces incomprehensible, for such their distance argues in their swift return diurnal, merely to officiate light round the spacious earth, this punctual spot, one day and night. In all their vast survey useless besides, reasoning I oft admire, how nature wise and frugal could commit such disproportions with superfluous hands so many nobler bodies to create, greater so manifold to this one use, for aught appears and on their orbs impose such restless revolution day by day repeated. While the sedentary earth that might with far less compass move serve by more noble than herself, attains her end without least motion, and receives as tribute such a sumless journey brought of incorporeal speed, her warmth and light, speed, to describe whose swiftness number fails. While Adam contemplates the science of creation, Eve, a more practical person, immediately begins to tend the garden. So spake our sire, and by his countenance seemed entering on studious thoughts abstruse, which Eve, perceiving where she sat, retired in sight with lowliness majestic from her seat, and grace that one who sought to wish her stay rose and went forth among her fruits and flowers to visit how they prospered, bud and bloom, her nursery. They at her coming sprung and touched by her fair tendance gladlier grew. Eve took little interest in discussing the creation with Raphael. She preferred to have Adam summarize their conversation. To quote Milton, With goddess-like demure forth she went, not unattended, for on her as queen a pomp of winning graces waited still, 
and from about her shot darts of desire into all eyes to wish her still in sight. Raphael speaks of the scope of knowledge, but he cautions Adam not to overreach the designs of the Almighty. He also advises Adam to be exact in his reckoning. In other words, not to accept just any theory that poses itself. To ask or search I blame thee not, for heaven is as the book of God before thee set, wherein to read his wondrous works and learn his seasons, hours, or days, or months, or years. This to attain, whether heaven move or earth, imports not, if thou reckon right, the rest from man or angel the great architect did wisely conceal, and not divulge his secrets to be scanned by them who ought rather admire. Or if they list to try conjecture, he his fabric of heavens hath left to their disputes, perhaps to move his laughter at their quaint opinions wide hereafter. When they come to model heaven and calculate the stars, how they will wield the mighty frame, how build, unbuild, contrive to save appearances, how gird the sphere with centric and eccentric scribble or cycle and epicycle, orb in orb. Milton anticipated the conflict between science and religion that will rise 200 years later. He warned Adam of the dangers of knowledge. He had Raphael caution Adam to be precise in his studies of science and not to be dissuaded by man's theories. He cautions him to never take his eyes off God, who is the Creator. Raphael also cautions Adam not to let the brightest bodies claim the greater admiration, that the earth, though smaller, lives only because of the light of the sun and is considered greater. But the greatest is man himself. He reminds Adam that it is his responsibility to teach his children about God. Already by thy reasoning this I guess, who art to lead thy offspring, and supposest that bodies bright and greater should not serve the less not bright, nor heaven such journeyings run, earth still sitting, when she alone receives the benefit. Consider first that great or bright infers not excellence. The earth, though in comparison of heaven so small nor glistening, may of solid good contain more plenty than the sun that barren shines, whose virtue on itself works no effect but in the fruitful earth. There first received his beams, unactive else their vigor find. Yet not to earth are those bright luminaries officious but to thee, earth's habitant. Raphael instructs Adam that the creations of the universe are a testimony of the majesty of the Creator, and should remind us of God. And for the heaven's wide circuit, let it speak the Maker's high magnificence, who built so spacious, and his line stretched out so far, that man may know he dwells not in his own, an edifice too large for him to fill, lodged in a small partition, and the rest ordained for uses to his Lord best known. Raphael teaches Adam that the universe is so vast, the stars so innumerable, that man cannot comprehend them entirely. In 1515, Nicholas Copernicus proposed that the planets revolved around the sun. Milton, born a hundred years later, accepted that view of the universe. Raphael teaches Adam that God designed the universe in such a way that it would conceal his mysteries, 
God, to remove his ways from human sense, placed heaven from earth so far, that earthly sight, if it presume, might err in things too high and no advantage gain. What if the sun be centered to the world, and other stars by his attractive virtue and their own incited dance about him various rounds? Milton prophetically anticipates the future conflict between science and religion. The archangel Raphael cautions Adam not to let man's theories detract from the greater picture, that God is creator. Raphael says that Adam's first duty is to serve God. We must keep in mind that Milton is one of the greatest geniuses of his day and spent his life as a Renaissance man. His interests were vast as expressed in the many illusions in Paradise Lost. Milton is not anti-science, anti-learning, or anti-discovering. He is against having man's knowledge, which is not always correct, replace reverence for God. Milton put God first. Milton did not view man as a Neanderthal. In Milton's view, Adam was taught by God and by angels and prepared for his role as father of the human race. Solicit not thy thoughts with matters hid. Leave them to God above. Him serve and fear. Of other creatures, as him pleases best. Whatever place let him dispose, joy thou in what he gives to thee, this paradise and thy fair Eve. Heaven is for thee too high to know what passes there. Be lowly wise. Think only what concerns thee and thy being. Dream not of other worlds, what creatures there live, in what state, condition, or degree contented that thus far hath been revealed not of earth only, but of highest heaven. Adam's reply to Raphael is classic. How fully hast thou satisfied me, pure intelligence of heaven, angel serene, and freed from intricacies taught to live the easiest way, nor with perplexing thoughts to interrupt the sweet of life, from which God hath bid dwell far off all anxious cares and not molest us, unless we ourselves seek them with wandering thoughts and notions vain. But apt the mind or fancy is to rove unchecked, and of her roving is no end. Adam pledges to ponder first on God. He promises to seek wisdom that lies in daily living. He will try to understand those things that are at hand. Till warned or by experience taught, She learned that not to know at large of things remote from use, obscure and subtle, but to know that which before us lies in daily life is the prime wisdom. What is more is fume or emptiness or fond impertinence, and renders us in things that most concern unpracticed, unprepared, and still to seek. Therefore, from this high pitch, let us descend a lower flight and speak of things at hand, useful, whence haply mentioned may arise of something not unseasonable to ask by sufferance, and thy wanted favor deigned. Raphael instructs Adam to make his primary business to understand the ways of God to man. He tells Adam that God has given him abundant gifts. To whom thus Raphael answered heavenly meek, Nor are thy lips ungraceful, sire of men, nor tongue ineloquent. For God on thee abundantly his gifts hath also poured, inward and outward both his image fair. 
speaking or mute, all comeliness and grace attend thee, and each word, each motion forms. Nor less think we in heaven of thee on earth than of our fellow servant, and inquire gladly into the ways of God with man. Adam inquires of Raphael how human life began. First he relates his own odd experience. As new waked from sound asleep, soft on the floory herb, I found me laid in balmy sweat, which with his beams the sun soon dried, and on the reeky moisture fed. Straight toward heaven my wandering eyes I turned, and gazed a while the ample sky, till raised by quick instinctive motion up I sprung, and thitherward endeavoring and upright stood on my feet. About me round I saw hill, dell, and shady woods, and sunny plains, and liquid laps of murmuring streams. By these creatures that lived and moved and walked or flew, birds on the branches warbling, all things smiled with fragrance and with joy my heart overflowed. Adam turns his contemplation away from nature and upon himself. He realized that he didn't know who he was. He inquires of nature to tell him who he is. He wants to know who created him. Myself I then perused, and limb by limb surveyed, and sometimes went, and sometimes ran with supple joints, as lively vigor led. But who I was, or where, or from what cause, knew not. To speak I tried, and forthwith spake, my tongue obeyed, and readily could name whate'er I saw. Thou sun, said I, fair light, and thou enlightened earth so fresh and gay, ye hills and dells, ye rivers, woods and plains, and ye that live and move, fair creatures tell, tell, if ye saw, how came I thus, how here, not of myself, but some great maker then, in goodness and in power preeminent. Adam contemplates his own origin. He asked the same question of himself that man is asking today. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Was I created by accident or by some creator? Adam continues his questions but receives no answer. Tell me, how may I know him, how adore, from whom I have that thus I move and live and feel that I am happier than I know? While thus I called and strayed, I knew not whither from where I first drew air and first beheld this happy light, when answer none returned. In this podcast, Raphael teaches Adam the limits of knowledge. He emphasizes that all the ways of God cannot be discovered. It reminds one of Isaiah's prophetic statement, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Milton puts into Adam's mind the same questions that haunt all serious people. Who are we? Who created us? Where did we come from? Why are we here on this earth? There had to be something more than mere existence. In the twelve books of Paradise Lost, Milton answers those questions. In the beginning, book one, Milton declared his theme. What in me is dark, illumine. What is low, raise and support that to the height of this great argument I may assert eternal providence and justify the ways of God to men. Next week, Monday, September the 26th, Part 17 of Milton's Paradise Lost, 
In podcast 198, we shall continue book 7 and the story of creation, the fourth of five parts. Meanwhile, please enjoy the other podcasts, broadcast daily Monday through Friday. In addition, we invite you to download all 359 podcasts or simply check the titles and pick and choose your favorite subject. And don't forget to tell your family and friends. They may find it on any smart device that downloads podcasts. Have them type in A New Voice of Freedom. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.